My name is Wes, I'm one of the pastors here, and I turned 40 two weeks ago. Some of you are thinking, man, you are so young, and some of you are thinking, man, you are so old. It's one of those funny places to be in, isn't it? Um, in this uh, 40th celebration, my youngest is six, and his name is Elijah, and Elijah had this paper like a calendar, you know, they used to come in paper form, and he was crossing off um, the uh, days until my 40th birthday, and he's been uh, doing that, and he did that every single day for, I think, a month, just keep, oh, it's February, and just going through, and uh, it made me feel so special, it made me feel like I was such a, I mean, he just made me feel great, because he's like, you know, I can't wait for your birthday, and he's crossing it off every morning, he would do that, um, he was so excited, and I just felt so important as a dad. Now, I'm going to get back to that story a little bit later, but we just, we have to pause and remember what we just partake, took, had partaken in, um, that we just took the Lord's Supper. This is something that is so critical and so crucial. Um, and what I'm going to talk about today, it really helps us to remember that, uh, that Jesus did give a great cost for us. There's a sacrifice that was made for us that we are now free from sin because of the work that he did. Everything about it was about, is about Jesus. My question for you today is, is Jesus your everything? I mean, if you boiled it down, if you just stripped everything back, is everything you are and who you are, is it all just about Jesus? If you had to choose what is more important is Jesus more important or are there other things that are more important? Like, does family get in there? Do kids or kids' sports get in there? Is it the anxiety you have around a career path that gets in there? Is it your grades in school, your job and success of climbing the ladder to something greater, some promotion that you're looking for? Is it your house or just the way you look? Or is it money? Because we all know that Jesus gave us that money so that we can steward it well. It is his money, the money that you have. He has made it possible for you. What is more important? Is your cat more important? Well, obviously not a cat more important than Jesus. I got a few people saying, no, dogs are better in the first service. Obviously, Jesus needs to be better. And there's certain things that come into our lives that we allow to creep up into a bigger spot than they need to be. If Jesus is the most important thing and that he is everything to you, how do you show that to him? How do you show Jesus that he is the most important, that he is everything? Do you show it by how you devote yourself to him, the time you devote to him, with what you love most or who you love most. Maybe you're here and you don't have an active relationship with Jesus and that's just where you're at. That you, to say you have some sort of relationship with Jesus will be weird to say that. And so I encourage you by the end of this message to, to ask a question or to come and see me afterwards. I would love to share with you a little bit more what it would mean like for you to take that step to trusting in Jesus with your life. 
or maybe someone who brought you could help you with that. I know that I operate without having Jesus as my everything all the time. It's pretty obvious that, that there's things in my life that I do. I even, I even do things that are Jesus-y stuff. Like I'll read my Bible religiously and I'll act as much as I can like a Jesus follower and yet I still, by doing that, I'm focused on the act of doing it and I'm not necessarily having Jesus as my everything. There's things like that, that that show and prove that I don't always have Jesus as my everything. It's important to, to do those things and to, uh, to give yourself to Jesus devoted. It requires us, Jesus requires us to cast off everything, everything, and make everything else secondary so that he can be primary. For my 40th, my kids made some beautiful cards. I don't know if you've seen what cards kids can make. Um, A lot of it is just some pictures and some little things, little little words that they can spell out, especially for Elijah. He's still learning how to write things. And one of the things that this year was very evident to me was this idea of, Dad, you are the best dad ever. You know, isn't that great when you're 40 and you turn 40 and you just feel like, man, I get these kids that are just in my life all the time. They're just doing my, singing my praises and they think I'm the best dad ever. And I started thinking about all the times I'm down on the floor playing Lego and all the things that all these long chats that I have with my daughter in her bedroom to talk through life and all the different relationships that she's got with friends and stuff. And all these things that I started really thinking about all the things that I do right. But in a split second, I started reversing that and I started thinking, well, wait a second. I'm the only dad that they know. Like, how do they know I'm the best dad ever? Like, how do they know? And then I started thinking about my failures, the things I've done wrong, the things I have, I've, I've lashed out in anger, the, the times that I've, I've been short with them, the times that I haven't been there when they needed me most. I think all of us that are parents probably feel that we're just not good enough. And I think we all felt that at some point. The problem is that this self-focus, this self-focus is pride. And pride is not focused on Jesus. So even in that, just that self-focus, that thought that I had, even in just a thought in my head, I've already failed to put Jesus as my everything. Because I've either boasted in myself or I've boasted in, my, boasted in all the weaknesses that are the failures and wallowed in the failures that I've done. This verse that I want to bring to you today is in Matthew chapter 13. And Jesus is speaking and it's very, very clear. And I want to read this to you. The kingdom of his heaven is like, this is in verse 44, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. A field with treasure in it. The kingdom of heaven is like that. That when you find that thing, that no, that when you find the gatekeeper to the kingdom of heaven, who is Jesus, 
The only way that you can get to heaven, the only way that you can have eternal life is through Jesus. And the way to do that is to pursue him by buying a field that tr- where that tr- hidden treasure is and to buy that and sell everything you have and make that the importance. Or to find that pearl, to say, this is the most expensive thing, this is the most priceless thing, the best thing that I can get. And I'm going to sell everything I have because I know the worth of that. And Jesus is saying this about him. He's saying, I am the the gatekeeper. I am the the kingdom, I, I am the way to the kingdom of heaven. Selling everything we have to get it. That's pretty drastic to sell everything you have to just put him, him as an importance and everything else secondary. We need to be devoted to him. And devotion to Christ cannot be less than wholehearted. A month ago, I, I preached this uh, message here at the, the church to talk about the great commandment, to love God with all your heart and soul and mind. It was your whole being all that you are, all that you have, everything that's in you is to love God. It's very similar to this verse, to say everything you have just to offer it to Jesus. Everything in this world pales in comparison. It's not worth it. Sure, material things are important. We still need to do these things. We still need to get these things. We still need a house. There's things that we still need to do. And it's fine to pursue those things as long as they stay secondary. To make Jesus our everything, we need to be more devoted and not less. Devotion is what we read about when we say sell everything we have and pursue Jesus. Now, I know this might sound funny for some of you that have been in the church for a while and you know the words that I'm about to say. But the reality is that some people here have not been believers for very long and maybe are not believers at all and don't understand when we talk about these words. These words of devotions and devotional life or devo or devos. I know it sounds funny to explain this, but I think that we all need to make sure that everyone is on the same page when we hear about these things. So just to make sure everybody understands what those words mean, Devotions is what believers have used to describe a time set aside and devoted to Jesus for prayer and reading the Bible. If we're to make Jesus everything, we need to set aside time to show his importance. Sure, we can live our lives and be praying in our, in our jobs, in our schools, and in our, in our everyday life, and we're, it's part of who we are as believers to, to devote time to him, but getting to know him in a deeper way needs to have something a little deeper, a little more, a little more focused just on him. Jesus is everything we need. He is our sustenance, our spiritual food. So why is it Jesus? Why is it Jesus that is everything we need? Well, we've been created, and some of you who are here don't realize that we have been created. We have been created by God that has a need in us. That we have a need in us, and often what we do is, is because God has created us and we have that, have that need, we tend to fill it with other things. 
We tend to fill it so that we feel good. We try to think that we would feel good by filling with these other things and pursue these other things. But the reality is if we don't put Jesus in that spot then, and, and have him as the primary, then we come away feeling empty. So why, need Je- why do we need Jesus to be everything? Because Jesus made the only way to live eternally. He created us and he has made us in a way that we need him. He paid the cost for our sin that we heard about earlier with, the, with Paul when he was talking about the table. That if we acknowledge who he is to us, that we need him. That we believe that he died and rose again for our sin and confess our sin, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sin. And that we choose to follow him. Then we can have payment for the cost through him only by grace, not by what we've done. So here are four things that I think we should consider as we make Jesus our everything. The first is counting the cost. Because there is a cost. There is a cost to following. Now get this. The cost is everything for Jesus to be your everything. The cost is everything for Jesus to be your everything. I got something sent to me this week that was really, really cool. I got this random phone call from a distant relative. And it was just a, answering, like a message on my voicemail. And it said, hi, I'm related to you. I live in Cranbrook. And I've got something you might want. It's your great-grandfather's Bible. Do you want it? I was like, phoned her back right away. It's because I could. I'm like, yes, yes. My name is Wes. Your name is? And she told me her name. And then we had this inter, inter, talking about it. And as I'm thinking about this, as I'm going through these things, I was thinking about, oh, this is my great-grandfather. I got to figure out who, what, who he was. The stories started coming up in my mind. And I remember this is the guy that had the, the, the his, he took over his dad's general store in Nanaimo. That, and this is the same guy that would, would by horse and buggy, travel out to the outskirts of southern Nanaimo to do a service in the afternoon as a, as a lay minister of the church to make sure those people could have church that couldn't come into town. And you think, like, that's a five-minute drive from town. But he did that. That was him. So he's got all of his sermon notes, all of his notes, all of his prayers, all of the things that he, it's all chock full, these slips of paper. The date on the Bible is 1907. You just think about that. And these prayers that were like, even for his descendants was in there. That means me. Just think about how priceless that is. How valuable that is. That cost would be so great. If someone just said, hey, I've got your great-grandfather's Bible. Do you want it for this price? (laughs) I would be so tempted to just like, what name the price? Like, what do you want it for? I'll do anything for this. I would love to have my great-grandfather's Bible. I would love to have it. It's like me saying, that's the field. That's the pearl. That's the way that I, I just want, I need to have that. And I think... We need to have that view of Jesus. We should be so excited for Jesus that we say, I, I don't care what the cost is. I need to have Jesus. I need to have Jesus active in my life. The cost is so great that we should be willing to give up everything to get Jesus. Because the cost Jesus bore was so great. Offering our lives is the only way we can give. The only thing that's required of him of us. But just like how that Bible was freely given to me, Jesus was given by 
his father for us for free. And once you count the cost and commit your life to him, you need to allow him to lead you. Which brings me to the second point, which is to daily let Jesus lead you. Daily let Jesus lead you. Some of you have heard me say before that before I put my feet on the ground in the morning, I did it this morning, before I get out of bed, I'm saying, Lord, I just give you this day, I devote it to you. And there's been times that I've missed it, but for the most part, I've done this every single day since I started doing this for years. I've been doing this to surrender to, my, to, to Jesus, my Savior. I think it's important to build a routine so that you, I can't trust myself to do it every day, but I know that if I build into a routine, I can make sure it happens to say, I give you this day. And then I make sure that after that, when I go downstairs, I have time in the Bible, just me and Jesus trying to, to just go through things, to self-feed. Some of you who are parents, and I, I know that those who are not parents, you understand this because you were this once, is that, you know, have you noticed when you give a baby a spoon for the first time? You know what they do with it? So you say, okay, it's your turn to just start feeding yourself. And so what happens is they take the spoon and they're so excited and then they just start trying to find your, their mouth. And it's mushy peas, and it's in their ears, and in their hair, and it's all over their face, and they're just trying to find a way to self-feed. I think sometimes we forget that those who are newer believers are just like those babies in a way. They just don't know how to feed themselves. They don't know where the mouth is. It's still, we're still learning this. I know what, how that feels because I was there. I was there as a non-believer. I picked up this Bible off the shelf that I didn't even know we had and I looked through it and I was like, I don't know where to start. No one's told me anything. I'm going to start at the beginning. King James Version, Genesis chapter one. <laughs> okay. Uh, God made the heavens and the earth and I just didn't know. I didn't know who Jesus was. I was just trying to figure things out. I was just hitting all parts of my face without my mouth. But if someone is a follower of Jesus for a long time. They should get it to a point where they should be self-feeding and they aren't reliant on Sunday mornings to get everything they need for the week. If what you get for the week is only Sunday mornings, there's a problem if you've been a Jesus follower for a while. If the only time you crack open the Bible is on Sunday or at community group and you say, preacher, please feed me, or community group leader, please feed me, or podcast, please feed me, then there's something wrong. Because we're still babies. And we're not growing to a point where we can self-feed. What we need to do is we need to take the spoon out of someone's hand and say, you know what? I've been a believer long enough. What I need to do is I need to start feeding myself. I need to just get into the Bible and start doing it. I don't need someone else's idea of the Bible. I need Jesus to speak to me directly. And now I've got Bible reading plans and they look like this. And some of you think it looks very similar to what it was two, 
um, two months ago when Brent preached on uh, getting into a Bible reading plan, the truth message. But in the seat back pocket in front of you, there's these here. And I just swapped out the books. So there's something else that you can kind of read there. But it's the same thing about the Bible. If you do not have a time where you're self-feeding and you just don't know where to start, or you just need a little pick-me-up and something to get you going, just go through this thing that's in the seat back pocket in front of you. If there's, um, at the end of the service, if the one in front of you is gone, just go grab another one from another seat that's, that was on our occupied today and just start walking through what it looks like for you to spend time in the Bible every day. For those of you who started two weeks ago or two months ago, I want to encourage you. You've got two months ahead of us for some of us that haven't started. That's awesome. Keep going. If you started because Brent's truth message got you going, you're just in the Bible every day. That's awesome. Keep on going and keep feeding yourself. What I do, and uh, for, uh, sometimes it's just helpful to have a leader talk about this. You know, when do you ever talk about it except for one-on-one, right? So what I do is when I come downstairs after I say my prayer, I go into my, get, grab my Bible, and I immediately feel hungry. And I remember that I need my breakfast. So what I say is I say, spiritual food before physical food. I need to remember that. And so every time, it's like as if I'm fasting. Every time that I growl my, my tummy, I'm reminded I need to have my physical food first. So I need to open up the Bible. I pray, Holy Spirit, teach me something I need to know today. I need to know this. I need you today. And then I, right now I'm going through Colossians. So I go through a chapter. And if I don't have anything pop out of me and that I don't know if God's speaking to me or anything, I, I'm just rubbing the sleep out of my eyes. I'm not there yet. Then I go through it again. And I go through the same passage again, the same chapter again, just to keep washing myself over with the word. And allowing Jesus the time to speak to me. That it's not on my time, it's on his time. So self-feeding. Daily let yourself, daily let Jesus lead you. The third point is to follow Jesus with others. Follow Jesus with others. I think we forget how important it is to do life with others. Jesus did it. He did it with 12 other disciples. He had his 12 and he also had his three that he went even deeper with. Obviously, there's something to this. You know, we have uh, community groups and the shop for men and women's morning out. And for youth, we've got junior hub groups and we've got hub groups as well. We've got kids groups that are meeting right now where they're doing life together. We're doing the Bible together, doing the Christian life together, praying together. This is important. But there's a warning in Hebrews that says, in, in chapter 10, that, that it says, um, do not give up meeting together as some of you have. Obviously, for thousands of years now, people have struggled with getting together outside of the church service. Do not give up meeting together as some of you have. You need to keep meeting together. You need to do life together. Sundays, we get to worship together, but there's more that we can do. It isn't talking about um, just gathering once to fill your spiritual need when it says do not give, give up meeting together. A lot of these people had their whole lives centered around doing life together, doing jobs together, living near each other. And they, and they learned together and they grew together and they read the, the scriptures together. Sunday is for celebration of the life that we lived all week together. I don't always do that. 
I'm not with everybody all the time. Luckily, we can text each other throughout the week. How's it going? I'm praying for you. How was that interview this week? I'm praying for you. Sunday is a celebration of what has gone on in your life throughout the week. Now, for our community groups, they're going to get to hear a lot about this in the coming year or so. I'd really like them to start considering this idea of Jesus had his 12, there's a greater group, but he also had three. I think there's power in that. There's excitement in that. The fact that within the group, you break it off into smaller groups with one or two other people, and then you get a chance to just start doing life together that you are doing the Bible together, that you're caring and praying for each other at a time that maybe your community group can't meet. And to push and spur each other on so that you can pray by name for those who do not know Jesus. That you, that you talk about your neighbors, that you talk about those things that are on your heart, the things that you need help with. So your next steps of, is, uh, of getting involved in community, start with a community group. Get involved with a, a, a community group in our church. The way to do that, and a lady this week um, came to me and she said, I love the website. And I said, oh, really? Why? And she says, because all the little dots of where you guys are meeting, I know that there's some near my house, which is great. So you can go onto their web, website if you don't, can't, if you just want to get, what is the, the website for that in our welcome brochure? It's at the info rack out there. Just, it's southridgefellowship.ca and go into, uh, oh yeah, this is the story. That's for later. Um, but at the web, southridgefellowship.ca and go into the right tab and programs and community groups are right there. And just start and just fill out a form that says, hey, I'd like to get involved in the community group. Please contact me. If that's too much, just come talk to me. I would love to chat with you about that. Uh, the fourth thing is to share Jesus with others. So make Jesus our everything, we need to share Jesus with others. With everyone, believers and non-believers. You hear me talk about this because I'm so passionate about it. Of course I want to talk about this. What do you love most? What do you, talk, you love what you talk about most, don't you? There's a moment that's so embarrassing to me, but I will have to share it with you. So the day that I became a dad... I was so happy and so excited. And then right after um, Jason was born, my wife, Christy, said, hey, you need to go get me a coffee, a good cup of coffee. So I went to Starbucks. There's Ben, he's not in the room. Okay, so him and his, he, he likes better coffee than Starbucks, apparently. So. But there, I had to go get her a good coffee. So I went to the coffee, I went up to the barista, and I started talking about all the things that I love most, that I'm a dad now. It's so exciting, and he's so awesome, and he's so wonderful, and he's so beautiful, and he's so amazing, and, and, and I, I said amazing so many times. And, and my wife was amazing, and here it is, the greatest day of my life. I'm just so excited, and the barista is just sitting there trying just to smile and does not give a rip about what I'm saying. But I really think that we miss out when we don't talk about Jesus that way. That we get so caught up in the moment of Jesus to know this is what we're saved from. This is what, he is my everything. And if he's our everything, we just go for it and we just share it. And it doesn't matter what the barista says. If we don't value Jesus, if Jesus isn't everything, then you won't be eager to share him. Maybe you need to share Jesus by, by, well, you've started conversations with people. You've started the conversation. The next step is to invite them into community. And the way to do that is to invite them here on a Sunday, if you think it's their next step, to say, hey, there's a great series coming up. 
This is a little announcement, a little plug for this. Coming up next week, seven life-changing questions Jesus asks people. Like, what a great way to invite someone who's curious, who's been in that curious mode. I want to learn more about Jesus. Well, here's seven life-changing questions that Jesus asks people. And I encourage you to come and to even bring people to that uh, starting next week. So we've talked about counting the costs, daily let Jesus lead you, do it with others, and share Jesus. Don't hog Jesus. I think if we don't watch ourselves, we hog Jesus. We hog him to ourselves. See, somebody didn't hog Jesus with you. And that's probably why you're here. You're here because someone shared Jesus with you or someone allowed you to be curious around you and you wanted to try out church. Well, if you are, um, we've, we've created this website, part of the website. It's southersfellowship.ca slash stories. You can throw up that slide now. And for some of you, you've maybe wanted to make Jesus your everything or you've got some God-working story. We would love to hear from you. If you want to share that with us, Share it for our encouragement as a staff. We want to hear how God's working in our, the people around us. So we want to hear that. But if you, if you just want to share and say, hey, and go ahead and use this for whatever you want in a message in the future, in a video, that if it could, it could be used by Jesus, then go for it. Just write it in there. You can go to there, fill it out, and just say, please share it or just share it with the staff. That's totally fine. We want to be encouraged by how God is working in you and celebrate with you. So that's one way that you can share Jesus, very easily. So back to my birthday card story. Again, remember I turned 40. Here's these birthday cards, these awesome things, works of art from my kids. In both ways I responded, it was wrong. The first is that I started getting boastful and I started thinking, yeah, you know what? I can think of some things and reasons why I'm a good dad. It was pride. It was proud and prideful. But the other side of that is interesting. It's sneaky. Because the opposite of pride is this wallowing in my failure, which is still self-focused and is prideful. And that's also wrong. I am not good enough. I'm not the best dad ever when it comes to my own power. But when Jesus is my everything and I show that Jesus is my everything to my kids then I become the best parent because it is Jesus in me. Because the riches of Christ's love are so brilliant that they shine through me and through my inadequacies that I have. And then I can be the best West for anyone, my wife, my kids, my friends, the people here at the church that I just barely have met. I can be the best West for them because Jesus is in me and he has got first place and he is my everything. When I consider the cost and put my desire to be the best dad or the worst dad in second, then Jesus is first. Then Jesus is first. When Jesus is my everything, my eyes are off myself and I rest in his amazing power and grace. This is the way he wants it for all of us, not just for me. He wants all of us to be able to experience this. For Jesus, he wants, he wants us pursue him that way. So what is it that you need to surrender to Jesus so that he can be your number one? Do you have something in your mind? 
Is it family? Crazy to think because you love them, but maybe they're too important. Is it kids or their sports? Is it food or drink? Is it clothes or appearance? Do you care too much about those things? Do you worry too much? Do you worry about the future? Do you worry about where to go to school next fall? Do you worry you're in the right program for your life because you don't want to mess it up? Is it trips and holidays? Do you, do you put that as an importance above Jesus and you actually have to lower that so that Jesus is higher? Is it the jobs and success? Is it grades in school? Is it money? What is it that is in the way? If there's something in the way, it's not me that's convicting you. I have no clue where you guys are at. But maybe you should listen if you feel convicted because maybe it's Jesus trying to speak to you. To be a Jesus follower, Jesus needs to be number one. We need to buy a field, sell everything we have, put everything as secondary and pursue him. We need to consider him the pearl that we pursue him with all of our heart and to say, you are the most precious thing to me. You are the most valuable thing to me. You are everything, Jesus. How are you showing it to him? Are you showing it to him? And if you are, then prove it. Prove it this way, that your heart is for him first. And then have your actions follow the leading of your heart. It's not actions first. Is Jesus your everything today? Let's pray together. Jesus, we put you first. For some people, it's the first time they've prayed that and we rejoice with them. For others, it's not the first time and that realignment is also worthy of celebration. Jesus, take these hearts and make them yours. Take these lives and transform us to be more like you. Help us to forsake all other things for you. Convict us of wrong so that we can cast it all off to follow you. And may we speak of you the most because we have come to the point of saying that we love you the most. Guide us and lead us as we live as citizens of your kingdom here on earth now on earth. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.